Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state of the art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash canadaland to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Sonos, makers of smart speakers that sound great. They have a new product, the Sonos Beam. This is a smart, compact soundbar for your television. It's Amazon Alexa-enabled for easy voice control, delivers crystal clear, richly detailed sound for movies, shows, video games, music, podcasts, and more. Pre-order the Sonos Beam now at Sonos.com and start your home sound system today. This episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh, the meal kit service dedicated to making cooking fun, easy, and convenient. Each week, HelloFresh creates new and delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everybody, from novices to seasoned home cooks. Get 50% off of your first box at hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand, and use the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe. Pretty soon we're going to make some decisions about media that are going to determine how it's all going to work from now on. It's fairly complicated. we got to decide about stuff like spectrum licenses and mandates and tax structures. 
But at the heart of it lies one core decision. It's actually pretty simple. Do we want to keep the old system or not? The old system was built on fear. The fear that if we leave it all alone, let people make their own choices about what kind of media they want, they just won't choose Canadian stuff. We'll be overwhelmed by American movies and TV and news and music. There's a fear that all the jobs in those industries will be lost, but there's a greater fear, a greater fear that without Canadian content, we will kind of cease to exist. We'll have no identity as a people, nothing that distinguishes us from Americans. So that old system was built on fear. It was also built on faith, a kind of contradictory faith that if we do force the production of Canadian content, give people no choice but to pay for the production of it and also demand that it be advertised and broadcast, that then people will choose to consume it. No matter how much evidence stacks up over the decades to challenge that faith, really to disprove it entirely, that article of faith persists. So that's the old system. It hasn't worked out that well. But you haven't heard me complain about it too much uh, lately because, like, frankly, it seemed doomed. There was no point in staging a debate over something that was obsolete, that was on its way out. I mean, much of the subsidy we're talking about comes from taxing our cable and satellite bills, and fewer and fewer of us even have cable or satellite subscriptions. Cord cutting is happening. It's happening faster than it's ever happened. And so the only way that you could preserve that old system and maintain the forced funding for these old things would be by taxing new things, taxing Netflix, Facebook, Google, perhaps taxing our internet access itself. And I never thought that they would actually do that. Well, now they say they're going to do that. The CRTC just reversed the position that they have held for the last 20 years, the position that it's not their job to regulate the internet. Their new report asks the government to regulate and tax all audio and video on the internet in order to fund CanCon. Here is a supervillain level quote from CRTC chair Ian Scott, who says, the legislation should capture everyone. Meanwhile, the federal government, which up until now has promised not to raise our internet bills, has just appointed a panel to, quote, ensure that Canadian and non-Canadian online players play a role in supporting the creation, production, and distribution of Canadian content. So this is big. It will change everything. And Greg O'Brien, editor and publisher of CART.ca, the trade publication for the Canadian telecom, broadcast, and media industries, is going to join me in a minute to tell me whether or not it's already a done deal. Wait for it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Paul Brown, David DeAngelis, Alexia Hossein, Emily Justin, Paul Merriam, Andrew Zenis, Sarah Gallagher, and John Rackenskass. Hi, my name is John. I work in the film industry here in Toronto. And the reason I support Canada Land is because they sent me a free t-shirt. Oh, hold on. Okay, apparently it wasn't free. So I guess the reason I support the show is because the Canada Land team strives to hold our leaders accountable. Plus, the t-shirt is pretty cool. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by pork and zucchini bolognese with spinach and parmesan and by burrata margarita pizzettes, like little little personal pizzas with roasted corn and chalice. Have you had burrata cheese? 
Burrata cheese is, is like insanely delicious. These are things that I've eaten in restaurants. Uh, I have not cooked them in my home. I've not made pork and zucchini bolognese or, or little burrata pizzas at home. But with HelloFresh, uh, you can do that. They will just send this stuff to your house and you can cook seasonal. Like that all sounds like such nice spring, summer, seasonal food to make. And um, you can make this stuff in 30 minutes or less. doesn't matter if you are somebody who doesn't know how to cook or somebody who loves to cook. Either way, it's going to make your life simpler. You don't have to go and plan meals, go grocery shopping, throw out ingredients that you don't use. They give you just enough and they'll ship it to your home in a very nifty box. Everything is insulated. Everything is fresh. It's locally sourced. Does this sound good? I've tried it. It is good. If so, Try it out. You get half off your first box because you listen to this show. Go to hellofresh.ca slash CanadaLand and enter the promo code CanadaLand when you subscribe to HelloFresh. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems... And just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does Help As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Finally, this episode is brought to you by Sonos. I've told you about the Sonos One. I got a couple of these speakers in my home and I talk to them and they do things for me. I haven't tried out the Sonos Beam. It is not out yet. This is their new soundbar for your TV. Like the Sonos One speakers, it is Amazon Alexa enabled, but it is specially designed to fill your living room, your TV room, wherever you watch TV, with incredible crystal clear sound, richly detailed sound when you watch movies, shows, video games, whatever. Have a look, check it out, and perhaps pre-order the Sonos Beam at Sonos.com and start your home sound system today. Greg, I wanted to talk to you because I'm so confused. The CRTC, as I understood it for like the last 20 years, has very wisely said, we are not going to regulate the internet. Yeah. And government, ever since 
it became an election issue. I, first, it was about iPod taxes, and the conservatives were able to take this position. Harper was standing in front of a, a Netflix screen saying, I, I like to watch TV, and these other guys want to tax your Netflix. My understanding is that that just became like a no-go zone for politicians. Don't tax Netflix. Don't tax these services. It's a loser of an issue. If you're going to tell Canadians, we're going to drive up everybody's monthly bills in order to pay for the next CBC sitcom, there's no way to win that. You're just handing your opponents a big... So I know that from Melanie Jolie and from Trudeau, they've said, no, we're not going to be increasing people's bills in order to prop up the Canadian TV and film system. So I was very surprised by this one-two punch of the CRTC saying that it's time to tax and regulate everything, and then the government forming this panel. And I don't know what's going on. Help me. <laughs> well, it, it is confusing, and it, it goes back, um, oh God, so far, before you were born. <laughs> you know, almost to the day I was born. I was born in 1968. That's when the first Broadcasting Act was actually written. But I won't go back that far <laughs> for you. So the, the CRTC was given a, a mandate last fall to come up with a report on the future, the present and future ways people are going to consume content in Canada. So they told them, basically, look at everything and come back with us and tell us what you think. So when they're looking at everything, they're looking at the way you and I are consuming content now. You know, I still like a little bit of linear TV. I don't even know if you have a cable subscription. No, I don't. So fine, that that's great, you don't. But they have to look at everybody in Canada, how they're getting it, how they might get it in the future, how they're going to pay for Canadian content because the Broadcasting Act exists with a bunch of social goals, produce and show content by, for, made by Canadians. When you're the CRTC taking all of this into account and you've had years of policy where a little bit of your cable bill, my cable bill, not yours, obviously, a little bit of my cable bill goes towards the production of Canadian content, you know, to the tune of, you know, two, three hundred million dollars a year. As that migrates away, the commissions are looking at its policies, which are built on the Broadcasting Act to say, OK, this money's going away. The Broadcasting Act tells us we still have to fund Canadian content. So how do we do it? Well, let me stop you right there. What dictates what the CRTC is there to do? My understanding of the CRTC is that in an age where bandwidth is limited, in an age where there's only so much frequency, in an age where there's only so many TV stations or radio stations you can have, and that's a public resource, the CRTC is there to regulate and distribute that resource. That's my understanding of the CRTC. Now you're saying, no, 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 the CRTC has to comply with this broadcasting act. It's actually their job and what they were trying to accomplish with this plan is how are we going to continue to make Canadian content? That's a very different mandate. You know, when, when it was just about regulating and distributing this limited bandwidth and then we enter a new age where bandwidth is unlimited and there's, there's everybody can have a channel. Uh, I remember the conversation about the CRTC being, oh, the CRTC is just planning for its own obsolescence. They're just like going to be, you know, packing everything away and go and we don't need a regulator anymore. So which is it? What, what tune do they have to play to? Is there like a clear answer to this? Well, that's the problem. It's all of those tunes. They have to play to all of those tunes. In part, they, they you know, the industry, or I said, manages step spectrum. But the CRTC applies the Telecom Act and the Broadcasting Act. They interpret that through their policies and apply those to the telecom companies and the broadcasters and to some extent the production companies. So there's a lot that they have to uh, look at and encompass when trying to apply or rewrite their policies. So the, the law of the land is a law of the land. That's written by the politicians. 
they take that law and say, okay, here's what's changing. We know the law is written in 1991 for the Broadcasting Act. We have to try and make our policies make sense for the industry and make sense for Canadians, but also fall under the law of the land. Okay, this is Kate Taylor interpreting what the CRTC has said and this new panel um, in the Globe and Mail. They have vowed that Netflix, YouTube, Spot, and Spotify could no longer freeload on the Canadian system. She has said that this panel has been told to consider how the government can ensure that all players, including Netflix, Spotify, even Facebook, and internet service providers too, contribute to the system while still promising consumers that prices for online services and internet access don't go up. Those are There's a lot of no sentences to unpack. Let's start at the beginning. Can we just take it as a given that Netflix, YouTube, and Spotify have freeloaded on the Canadian system? Like, what are, when we're talking about the, the, the Canadian system, are we talking about the Canadian broadcast subsidy system, the system that takes a little bit of money from my cable and satellite when I had a cable bill and distributes it to CBC and other broadcasters to make Canadian TV and, and, and films with? That's the Canadian system that they're referring to. So what does Netflix, YouTube, and Spotify even have to do with that system? How can they be freeloading on that system? Nothing. They're not freeloading on anything. They're just not contributing the way the Canadian companies have to. So if you're Bell Media or Chorus or whoever, and you're making, you're, you're putting your schedule together, you have to satisfy and make a certain amount of Canadian content. It's in your license. Yeah. If you're a cable company, you have to take 5% of your revenue from, from video services only, not from internet, not from phone, not from wireless, from video services only, and give that over to a bunch of production funds, primarily the Canadian Media Fund. This is just the complaint of the Bells and the Rogers out there saying, why should we have to kick in money for this? Uh, if you know people are making a decision between our product, subscribing to cable, and just subscribing to Netflix, when they subscribe to Netflix, Netflix doesn't have to give any money into the system, but we do. That's no fair. That's what they're talking. That's what they're talking about here in terms of freeloading. Yeah, that 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 is largely it, and you know, and you can carry that over to the sales tax aspect of it as well. You know, where Netflix doesn't have to collect sales tax, Crave TV does. You know, at the till or at the you know the register, as it were, it makes Crave TV more expensive than Netflix. Well, that part I think is fair, and that part is, is a separate concern. I mean, just applying sales tax, applying HST to your Netflix bill, that's in the works, and that's not creating a fund of taxable uh, revenue that you're going to put towards Canadian TV. That's just in the general HST coffers, and as I understand it, that is underway. They're trying to sort of figure out and normalize tax code or whatever so that they oh, can- Oh, yeah, because they're not just missing money from Netflix when it comes to sales tax. I mean, I don't pay sales tax on LinkedIn ads I buy, Facebook ads I buy, Google Drive, Dropbox, Spotify, nothing. None of that collects sales tax. Fair complaint from the legacy companies that do have to charge their, their HST to their customers, but a totally separate issue, right? Absolutely. And th that's part of the muddied waters. Is it, you know, when you're talking about Netflix tax, are you talking about them collecting sales tax or are you talking about them, okay, you need to be in the system paying for CAVCO coded Canadian content. Okay. So let's like define our terms. So first of all, like let all reasonable people agree that, that we should get to the sales tax place. Okay, uh, sure. Okay. Now let's move on because we're talking about two different things. There's who are we going to tax when we're taxing these internet players, these supposed freeloaders? That's one issue. And the other issue is what are we going to spend that money on? So these plans confuse me because they're saying like, well, we're going to tax everything. It's one thing to say Netflix is sort of analogous to your cable provider, to an HBO, let's say. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That makes some sense. But then to say we're also going to tax Spotify, we're also going to tax Facebook, we're also going to tax your internet service provider. And they also say like it comes up in this plan uh, and it's being suggested they're going to tax podcasts that basically anybody, as I understand it, Anybody who is 
providing video or, and this is ambiguous, or audio for commercial purposes, whether they're Canadian or American, but if they're making money off of providing content to Canadians, then they should be part of the system. Can we conceive of a future where the revenues that Canada Land makes get taxed and used to pay for the next uh, season of Kim's Convenience? No. It's not going to happen. I don't, I really don't believe that that's what the report uh, meant to say. That is what people are reading into it, but I really don't think so. You would be subject to the system as Canada Land if you wanted to say, okay, I want a chunk of the Canada Media Fund to pay for my, my, my operations. If I wanted access to them. If you wanted access, then you would have to comply with all of the rules. If you want to keep going on your own, you'll, you'll be able to keep going on your own. Well, then I, I don't even understand because they're talking about, um, I'll take your word for that, 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 that I'm safe from taxation. I, I hope so. That, that's my interpretation of it. <laughs> Peter Menzies, the former vice chair of the CRTC, he includes podcasting when, and, and he, he, he's blasted the CRTC's position. And he brought up podcasting as something that would be part of the system. I guess what I'm saying is the idea that you're going to tax YouTube videos, Facebook videos, if you're talking about all video that makes revenue, pornography, and you're going to tax those things in order to make content as we define it. So you got two issues. One is you're taxing everybody, and I don't know how the hell you're going to do that. But then you're going to take all kinds of video and tax it to make a very specific kind of video. Because when we talk about video that is made within the Canadian system, you're talking about um, unionized commercial for broadcast, typically, you know, largely scripted sitcoms and dramas, I guess some amount of reality television, but you're talking about like TV that was made for linear TV by the Canadian TV industry. And you're taking money out of video that is made like by, I don't know, home enthusiasts or YouTube stars or, you know, uh, pornography content creators. Is that what they're actually proposing here is that all of these new types of video need to be taxed to make this old kind of video? What the commission did was is they took the the instruction from the federal government to say, give us an all-encompassing report. So they gave them an all-encompassing report. Here's all of the things you could tax. Uh-huh. And then they throw that report back to the politicians. And Ian Scott told my reporter that who wrote the story for us that now I think Ian they- Scott, now the I, chairman of the, the CRTC. chairman of the CRTC told my reporter, well, we've been talking about legislative change for, for a long time. This report will make them do that. It will make them do that. Oh yeah. Because now they, they've got this report and then they knew, they sort of knew what was going to be coming. So they put this panel together to look at the telecom broadcasting act and the radio communication act. So they're going to take this report, take all that they already know and come up with recommendations for a new act. I can't believe that they would try and drag yourself, YouTube creators, me, I do podcasts once in a while too, into the system. If you want to be part of the system and abide by the rules and take some money out of the system, then sure, you're going to be part of the system. But if you want to exist on your own, then you can exist on your own. What they're going to go after though is, you know, they'll go after Netflix, they'll go after YouTube, they'll go after, you know, whoever else comes along and say, if you're going to draw money out of Canada, out of Canadians' pockets, you have to pay into the system. You have to make a certain percent of Canadian content available, discoverable on your platforms. Wait a second. How do you draw that distinction? Is it just a question of scale? Because Netflix, uh, assumedly, will not be trying to tap those funds. They, will, like, they won't be trying to get Canadian money. As the, as the rules exist now, they're not allowed to tap those funds. Right. So they, they, and and I, I can't imagine they have any interest in that. They want, to, they want to evade regulation and they want to just make their stuff and run their business without the government being uh, involved. 
And I know that they've given, you know, a promise of $500 million of Canadian programming to avoid regulation. So you're saying that they're going to leave me alone as long as I don't try to tap those funds. Right. But Netflix, they're going to go after regardless of whether Netflix tries to tap those funds at all. Why? Because they're the biggest, is it just a question of scale? They're going to go after the biggest players? Probably, yeah. That, that's part of it because it, like Netflix is really, the way it's integrated on my own cable box, I think of it as another TV channel. Yeah. You know, so- so where do they draw that line? Because, you know, you've got Netflix and you've got Prime, which is like a value add for people who are like getting free shipping from Amazon. Uh, so, yeah. you know, like, okay, but it's still a video service. And uh, then you've got like, you know, you're kind of like, there's a rung of like iTunes and players that are somewhere in the middle. And then you've got like a, a long tail of like thousands thousands of video services, some subscriptions, some ad-based, some just using video for commercial purposes, but not for advertising or subscription revenue. Just there's, right. all, well, there's other models out there. The commission already makes that distinction in a lot of its policies already. Like if you get a license for a specialty service, um, well, you, actually you can start a specialty service and until you get to 200,000 customers, you don't have to get a license. So scale, it's about yeah. scale. You know, and as a smaller ISP or, or cable company, you, like if, if you have less than 20,000 cable subscribers, like as a cable TV company, internet company, wherever you might be, you don't have to have a license. So it is about scale. How realistic is this to even happen from a political point of view, given what we discussed earlier, that it's a loser of an issue for politicians to go to the public and say, we are going to be taxing either your internet service provider or Netflix, and we're doing it to make more Canadian shows, which most people don't watch or care about. That has been proven, and, and, and conservatives love when uh, liberals stray even like an iota into that territory, because that is sort of like a, a retail politics wedge issue that you can use to just paint them as like, oh look, they're in bed with their Hollywood friends or whatever Toronto's equivalent of Hollywood friends are, and they don't give a shit about you and, and your bills. So how do we square the Trudeau government's promise to not increase our internet bills. And it seems like that's even like reflected in the mandate they've given this panel. Like the, the internet's already too expensive in Canada. Are they drawing a distinction between your internet bill and your Netflix bill? I mean, how do you tax all of these different players and not increase the cost? Like that's going to get passed on to the consumer, isn't it? Well, first of all, they punted. This is not going to be an election issue in 2019 because the pre preliminary report isn't due until June and the final report isn't due until the 2020. So it, it's not even going to be an election issue. Um, I would disagree with you a bit that nobody watches Canadian content because I think they do. I hope I said most. I, I get in trouble with exhaustive statements. <laughs> Some people watch this stuff, but I think most people don't watch it. Is that true? No. There, there's a lot of lousy content made all over the place. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Canadians, when they sit down to be entertained, are worried about, was this made in Canada? I think they think, hey, this is made in Canada. Great. And they, you know, they watch it if they like it. You know, the weekly news, the nightly news still consumed by a lot of people, mostly old people, fine, but still consumed by a lot of people. You know, you, you look at, uh, you know, at Kim's Convenience or Orphan Black, which is now, you know, out, out of production. These were all really good, popular shows that, that people watched in droves. I'm not going to fall into this because, uh, you know, one aspect of this is that this whole idea is predicated on the idea that the Canadian system needs to be propped up with these subsidies. And Michael Geist points out, the system is doing incredibly well. Year after year, the amount of money spent on production has only gone up and up and up. What's been getting smaller is the amount of subsidy, right, yeah. as, as people have, have killed their cable and satellite. So, you know, there's all kinds of, of nuance here. Uh, whether people watch it or not is something that we can measure in, in some part. Whether people are willing to be taxed for it uh, as opposed to wanting to have the choice to pay for it 
when it appears on Netflix and, and, and can our stuff compete in a commercial environment where people actually have choice right. as to whether or not they want to pay for it <laughs> is something that we talk about in other episodes. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess I'm going to, if we can kind of proceed with this conversation on the shared, uh, uh, can we agree to terms that taxing people's bills to force them to pay for Canadian content has proven to be an unpopular initiative with the Canadian public. Well, nobody wants to pay more for anything, right? Nobody wants to hear they're being taxed for okay. for whatever it might be. This has always been a system problem. We've always been right next to the border of the U.S. We've always been consumers of, of American content. You know, that's always been a challenge here. And we've always had private broadcasters who are like, you know, it's cheaper to go down south and buy content, you know, buy, buy a sitcom for $50,000 a half hour than to make one for $500,000 a half hour. Mm -hmm. that, that's what it boils down to. I brought something here. The kaplan Sovajo Task Force of 1986. Oh, I was hoping we'd get into this juicy... No, no. They, they talk then about the broadcasting system being in crisis. And they talk then about how we have to make these new cable guys pay into the system. <laughs> it's been going on for a very long time. Forever. And enough. I have uh, friends who've been laid off by Bell, and as we've seen, like they've been crying and crying and crying that, oh, it's no fair that all these internet companies get to do business uh, without the same taxation. And, you know, the sales tax issue aside, um, we have to prop up the system. They have been arguably making Canadian content under duress, starving it. It's never been a profit center for these big broadcasters. And in recent years, they have wildly shifted their strategies to say, you know what, let's just make money as the people who have the pipe. They've been getting out of content itself. It's been dispiriting. And why I feel so passionate about this and, and why I always get in arguments with people who are part of the system and whose livelihoods depend on the subsidies because they're sc screenwriters or actors or whatnot is because I think that they would be better off to not be working for companies that would rather not be making this content, right? So- yeah. You know, like the idea that we should perpetuate this Canadian television production model by taxing everything that is on the internet is one that I think that ultimately is bad for creatives who I think are increasingly showing that they can compete. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And and they, they definitely can compete. I mean, it, it it's, it's just such a complicated, convoluted system that we built based on the old gatekeeping rules of the day. And we're trying to drag the industry kicking and screaming into the 20th century. And there are some good people who work at Bell Media, at Chorus, you know, at uh, Channel Zero, at Blue Ant, at others who recognize that this is a an original content world. The days of renting content to try and make money against it and selling ads is over. So, you know, it's a pick and pay world. You have to give a reason for people to pick and pay to watch your channel, whatever it might be. Yeah. So there is some content being made, but there's still too much money out there to be made doing the old SimStub game. You know, Simultaneous air, subst substitution exactly. of advertising, which is a dying model, but, but it's still a lucrative one. It's, it's very, still, still in, very lucrative. Brings yeah. in hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Why? As you point out, they've been complaining and complaining since cable that, that any new technological innovator, any anybody new who comes into the system has to be taxed, taxed, taxed. Why? Because we're taxed, taxed, taxed. And they've been complaining about this. And the CRTC has consistently said when it comes to the internet, no, no, no. Why is it now yes? Like, have the film and TV industry somehow, like, gained some sort of political clout that I'm unaware of? Like, why would this lobby, when you consider the scale 
of what we use the internet itself for in Canada, which is like everything, that everything on the internet, even at the ISP level, the cost of the internet itself, the service itself, which again is too expensive in Canada, should all be taxed to pay for the interests of this relatively tiny lobby of Canadian film and TV broadcasters who don't necessarily deserve a lot of sympathy. They certainly don't have a lot of public sympathy, but they're making a lot of money anyhow. Why suddenly are we listening to them? And why is the CRTC suddenly doing what they've been asking them to do for decades? So it, it's two things. One is it goes back to that broadcasting act we were talking about earlier, where it says you have to make Canadian content, you have to put it out there first, and the system that regulates that, that have licenses to, you know, for TV, for radio, they have to show a predominance of Canadian content. It goes back to that Broadcasting Act. And but, the, when, but that Broadcasting Act's been with us the whole time. Oh, I know, but I'm getting to the second point. Okay. Where the sheer numbers of what these outsiders are producing now or, or just gathering is what's scaring everybody. So Netflix is going to spend $8 billion on content um, this year alone. That spend on content is twice the revenue that Bell Media and Chorus earn in a year. Mm -hmm. So, and and it's not just here that, that this is happening. France, Germany, other places in Europe, they're also looking to Netflix, looking to YouTube, looking to others to contribute more to their culture because as the internet's brought the world closer together, the borders are going away and now they're feeling the pinch the way Canadians used to being so close, you know, with over the air signals passing across the border. So they're worried about French content being swamped by Hollywood content thanks to Netflix. Okay, but still why now? Just because it's 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 reached critical mass? It's reached critical mass. The numbers you can see the decline in the numbers in terms of advert um off air viewership, cable subscriptions, what have you. You know, the commission has tons of numbers. I've seen a lot of the numbers. The StatCan had a had a release this week where, you know, the, the revenue for broadcasters is going down. Now, their profitability is still okay because they've been letting people go and cutting costs in, in a pretty aggressive way. You know, it's those industry-sustaining numbers that are dropping down. So that's what part of what fueled this, uh, this CRTC report. And now the politicians, though, they're the decision makers. They're the ones that have to take all this and actually make a decision, actually rewrite these acts, which people have been asking for for 15 years. And they're not just going to rewrite that, but my understanding is they are also looking at the mandate of the CRTC itself and the CBC itself as, Be as part of this panel. Because all of that is in the act. The CBC is actually in the Broadcasting Act. They're the only broadcaster that's in the act. So this could come out with the CBC has to be all digital, can go ahead and shut down all of their transmitters if they want to. That could come out of it. The CRTC could have a completely different mandate. They could start over overlooking wireless spectrum uh, rather than, uh, and I said, Industry Canada. There's so much at play right now. Is there like any other place in the world that we're basing this on? It just seems like a, a, a lunatic assignment that we're going to go and we're going to regulate the internet. Uh, you know, I mean, and this is even like it, it even flies in the face of what, like again, bringing up Peter Menzies, the former vice chair of the CRTC, writing in the Globe about this, he said. It is not just the foolishness and incomprehensible impossibility of the tax and regulate the internet recommendations that damns this report. This mindset informing it should be taken as a national emergency alert. Is that hyperbolic? Is that accurate? Oh, it's hyperbolic and accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to what he writes here. The CRTC no longer believes, according to this document, that it and its codependents must adapt to change, that the old system of TV and film has to adapt to change. It now believes that change must adapt to it. 
That sounds pretty accurate to me. Like this sounds like a, a, a magical thinking, fantastical concept. When this panel takes this report and goes through the process of revisiting the CRTC's mandate, revisiting the CBC's mandate, trying to create legislation and regulation around this, do they have to accept the recommendations of this report? No. They can throw it all out. Yeah. They can listen to whoever they want to. Thanks for the report. Um, we're going to put it on the shelf here forever. They don't, they don't have to listen to it. But the commission, too, is also informed by years upon years upon years of broadcasters and telecom companies and actors and producers and directors and writers and consumers who have all come to them to say, help us. They very rarely get the same with their politicians. So the commission has dumped all of this into the report and has sent it back to the government. And then as, as the CRTC chair, Ian Scott, told, told my writer, it's, this is essentially, here you go, fix it. It's your problem now. Essentially, Rogers and Bell and the rest have been pissing in our ear about this for decades. So here's... here's. Oh, and not not just them. I mean, it gets even louder. Like, you, you should see when you're in a hearing... Actra. You, when you're hearing, in a hearing, an actor comes into the room. Yeah. They march in their executives, but also, also a lot of famous faces that you want to have a selfie with as well. This you is know, the soft they, power of when they bring out, like, Robert Lantosh <laughs> or something, and it's like, that's supposed to mean something? That, that like... It's a whiner's position that they've been in for so long. Like, get out of a – it's a weak, whiny position, and they're imploring on the public to care about their work in a way that, like, depending on what came out this year, like, I don't know if the public's ever been like, yes, this is – your your cause and the cause of art and the human spirit are synonymous. Please, won't someone think of Kim's convenience? <laughs> And to my earlier question, is there any country that has endeavored to do something like this, to tax anything on the internet and make... It's happening all around the world. Yeah. There are European, like, I don't have it at my fingertips, but there are European countries, uh, France and Germany in particular, that, that I know of, that are trying to do this, to get, you know, these internet giants, you know, whether it's Netflix, Google, however you want to term them, to help pay for some of their cultural content. Like... I want to make an analogy, but it's difficult. Like, I want to say that, it, that it's like taxing me when I buy a microwave because the restaurants are suffering. But that itself, the relationship between a microwave oven that I might use to make food at home and a restaurant is so much more direct of a relationship than my relationship between some video that plays on Facebook that my cousin shot right. and my state-made sitcom. Like, that's like taxing my screwdrivers so that you can uh, have a drive-in theater. I don't so, know. I'm so uh, I've got a bit of a story for you that I wanted to tell you. All so right. so bear with me for a minute. Um, this will show the weirdness of the Canadian telecom and TV system. Did you get your emergency alert on your phone recently? Indeed I did. I think, uh, as I described it, my, my, my phone took an angry shit without warning. Exactly. So do you know who runs that system? I, I think I've forgotten. It's Pelmerex. I did Pelmer not, nope, I Pelmerex, did not forget. I just didn't know that. Pelmerex owns the Weather Network and Metsio Media, the French Weather Network. Pelmerex. Yes. So Pelmerex launched that emergency alert system first on radio and now on mobile as an answer to the CRTC who put a call out to the broadcasters that said, please create an emergency broadcast system. None of them did. None of the telecom companies, none of the broadcasters did. So Pelmerex said, hey, look, we'll create one as long as you give us a must-carry status on cable TV. Sorry, what? Yes. 
So Palmerex created one on the condition that they got a must-carry status on cable TV to guarantee their revenues year to year that lets them operate the weather network, but also this emergency system. So the emergency system going to your phone is run by my cable contribution because Palmerex's weather network is a must-carry. So it was a brilliant idea for Palmerex's executives to come up with this, but this is the weird way that we run things in Canada. Hold on, i got to back up here. because Okay, so for people who haven't been following along from the start, <laughs> must-carry is a very, very special status that a TV channel can get from the CRTC, which means that anybody who signs up for a cable or satellite package of any kind must pay for that channel. And what are we at now? How many millions of Canadians are still on that system? Uh, still 10 and a half, I think, 11 million. So uh, 10 and a half, 11 million people have to pay for your TV channel. Uh, there's a very short list of channels that get that status, and it's just guaranteed revenue of millions and millions of dollars every year if you can get that CRTC status. CRTC has been less and less inclined to give out that status. They've been trying to shave down the number, if I understand correctly, of must-carry licenses. So this is a broadcaster, I guess? Yeah. That got a must-carry status for their weather channel? Yes. In exchange for making everybody's phone take an angry shit? Yes. Thank you, Greg. That's your Canada Land Show. I hope you liked it. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read what you send me. We're on Twitter, at Canada Land. Our website is canadalandshow.com. You will find hundreds of free podcasts. We just make these things and give them to you, and that's where you can find them. New Oppo podcast this week. Let's find out what Jen and Justin think of what happened here in Ontario. And tickets are now on sale for the show that the imposter has been building to all season. All season, Aliyah Pabani has been learning how to do comedy. It has all been building up to this, a live show where you will see her perform comedy along with a bunch of other comedians. Spoiler alert, she has gotten good at this and, and she's actually a really interesting comedian. Come see for yourself. This is happening June 23rd at the John Candy Theatre at Second City here in Toronto. Just go to Eventbrite and search for The Imposter. You will find The Last Laugh, The Imposter's live show for June 23rd. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash CanadaLand. This episode was produced by TK Matunda. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton. Syndication by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. And if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon. Patreon.